Blog Talk Radio. Donaldson Files, Tom Donaldson with Coco Konski is back for the whole month. She's back from her sabbatical. Welcome back, Coco. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Hello. Hello, yes. So you've been quite busy. So, well, here's the, I, let me I introduce. Think... Yeah, go, go for it. No, go, go well, for I it. I thought I was saying. I'm Tom Donalds. I'm the chairman of America's PAC, project research director of America's Majority Foundation, and author of eight great books, not yet bestsellers, but they all should be. And Coco, why don't you tell everybody about yourself? All right. Um, well, obviously, my name's Coco. Um, I I do lots of things. I'm a writer. I work in Hollywood. I am in the process of writing a book. So that's why I've been kind of MIA. I've been dedicating a lot of time to that. I also do marketing for model agencies out here. So, you know, I'm very busy. (laughs) Well, good. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, like I say, it's, you know, we've had a lot of stuff going down, you know, the last couple of weeks. So we'll talk about some of those. We definitely have. And, uh, all right. And let's let everybody know this, okay? We're going to have a special month. It's kind of like yeah. October is going to be our rock October because uh, we've been on the air now for three years. Basically, we've had something like 150-plus programs. Right. Uh, so we've had – how many weeks are there in a month, in a year now? It's oh, a, God, you're asking the wrong person. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – Go look that up. That's like, yeah, you know, how many, yeah, you know, how many weeks in a year? Yeah, God, I can't believe. It. Yeah, fifty-two, fifty-two weeks in a year. So that means, in effect, we probably have done one hundred and fifty-six programs, over one hundred and fifty programs on this show, on the air. Uh. So it's been kind of an interesting run over the last three years, to say the least. And what we're going to yeah, do... it's kind of crazy that it's been three years. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a bit crazy to me. Try to do radio. I was going to try to do a boxing show years and years ago. Uh, a gentleman it was blackathlete.com. Uh, Roland Rogers was the gentleman who ran that at the time. Uh, it. And it's just one of those things that just for me didn't work out at the time. It you know, went about two months, and I just it just wasn't me. But this program has taken off completely. It's been a totally different experience. And, and I guess maybe I've learned all the lessons I learned from that, you know, you know that run into this run. And it's, it's like I said, it's been fun. It's been fun. Right. Uh, so I – I guess the question, did you think we'd be doing it this long? 
Um, no, honestly, I didn't. Um, but I'm glad we have, and it, it has been a lot of fun doing this. And you know, I think like you never, when you do a radio or you do you do any project, you don't expect to go on as long as it may do go on. I mean, sometimes you think like this project's great and it's gonna go so far, and then you only end up with like one season. You know, so I don't think it's, it's really, it's nothing's really predictable in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, but here's what we are going to do. And so I want people to listen to this carefully, put your pens and pencils on. First of all, number one, if you want to call in tonight's show, 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. Also, if you want a free book, Rise of National Populism, Democratic Socialism, free, autographed by me, I'll even pay the delivery. Uh, what you need to do, just go on Twitter, at Donaldson File on Twitter, and simply say, I want a free book. And you can DM me your address, and we will not share your address with anybody, folks. We will not share your address with anybody. So it's going to say just between you and me on the DM on Twitter at Donaldson File. Or you can call in the show tonight, and if we uh, just call in the show, you'll get a free book. You don't even have to just call in. And, you know, say what you want to say, and uh, it's going to be free. I mean, how often – so this is going to be the whole month. This is offer is going to be the whole month. So offer the whole month. So we just want to let everybody know we're going to have some special fun. Uh, we're going to be inviting special guests throughout the month you know, just to come on, you know, shoot the bullet with us. Uh, tomorrow night, as C.C. Harrison says, she's going to be joining us. Tonight we may have a special guest uh, we're, you know, who may be able to join us at this point. We're not quite sure yet, but uh, uh, she is going to make an, uh, an effort to come on the air. So, yeah, so three years. And uh, I'll tell you Which what, is kind of crazy to you. me, honestly. It's, it's totally crazy to me. Well, you know, I, I tell you, what, I mean, the the one of the things that you know we you know, for those people that you know, want to know how we got together, well, we got together on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I think we did. It was Twitter. Then you said something outrageous, so I said something outrageous back. Then I said, you know, don't block me. I just want to, you know, I enjoy your humor, but don't block me. <laughs> right. Because on Twitter, a lot of people will block you if they don't like you know if they don't agree with you, they'll automatically block you. I've actually, I could always remember there was this professor, expert, you know, of climatology. And and I could always remember because, and here's the thing, I had, you know, you know, there's like this big thread, you know, every so often you get these threads where people comment on things. And so I commented on a couple of points and that was it. And, and then I noticed she was commenting. So I said, hey, I'm going to go find out what she has to say. Just out of curiosity, I go over there and you're blocked. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, I didn't even say anything to you. You blocked me. 
Right. You see a lot of that. You see a lot of that. So I mean, yeah. I do you many times I get it? I get in in conflicts with like you know, and this is the thing. I get conflicts a lot with mostly Republicans. Even when I was a Republican, that's when I would get most in conflicts with other Republicans. Like it's never really been Democrats or I've really never had an issue with them. But I honestly, since I've been working like crazy hours, like I devote like eight hours a day to writing, you know. And the rest, I'm just working online, and so um, it's 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 kind of it's kind of insane because I'm never on Twitter anymore. And every time I'm on Twitter, like you know, it to me it's such a cesspool right now that I don't really. To me, it's it's not something that I go out of my way to go on. You know, yeah. I I don't yeah. I'm not really into Twitter anymore as I used to be like crazy. Yeah. Well, I do it only because just to keep tabs on what people are saying. Uh, I think after which the election. Which I guess. Take, Yeah, which I, you know, it's only basically, yeah, it's like, ah, oh, what's going on? What are people saying? What's the, uh, but yeah, it's, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there, but there are nutty, there are nutty people on, across the board on Twitter. Uh, I, just, I think I just my think favorite. It's like, to me, I'm just I'm not really into it anymore. They, like I'm more yeah. on Facebook than anything else. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm definitely Facebook, more on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook though is a much different crowd because most people use their Facebook more of a personal thing as opposed to political. Now I do have a political site there because I had to get myself. You know, I had to be mainly because in order to advertise, you had. Advertise on Facebook. You had to have some presence. Uh, uh-huh. So that's the only reason why I'm on Facebook. But basically, it's very few people. You know, I don't have. You know, it's a rather boring thing. I don't do a whole lot with it. But I notice 99% of what you see on Facebook is, you know, the your a picture of your garden, picture of this, picture of that, picture of the family, picture of the family vacation, picture of your dog, your cat, whatever. Uh, so this is yeah. So by the way, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Konsky, back here in the Donaldson Files, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. This is Dr. Larry Fidoa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events, an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. And also Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor. The show discusses issue of race, politics, policing, and justice, inequality, religion, and sports that affect black, brown, and poor people negatively. Listen live every Monday and Thursday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. p.m. Eastern Standard Time on blocktalkradio.com slash L.A.-Bachelor. And the rebroadcast every day at A.M. and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. And speaking of uh, rebroadcast, don't forget every day, 3 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, midnight to 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Our show 
is going to be rebroadcast. And you can, again, listen to it on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Uh, the the call-in phone number tonight is 646-929-0130. All right. Okay. Uh, let's get started on the news here. To, uh, what you get caught up? So, uh, what's most? Uh, what's the big news story for you right now? Go go. Uh, for me right now, I mean, there's there's. I feel like there's a lot. You know, every day. I mean, obviously Donald Trump's contacting coronavirus. You know, obviously. Yeah. Um, is number one. And basically, like, everybody who he's been in contact with, you know, Ka- Kaylee McKenna, um, you know, and here's the thing about it. You know, when I had COVID, and obviously I, I didn't know, like, okay, when I discovered I had it, I COVID was basically brand new i mean i guess it still is brand new but for me it i gosh i got that early february and if you're just a regular person i mean i understand like donald trump is going to get the best treatment possible because he is president you know that that's not that's not a question um at all but if you're just a regular person you know and you have insurance or even if you don't you know, you're not going to get the treatment that he himself is getting. You're just not. I mean, I remember they won't even they wouldn't even allow me to go to the hospital, even though I it, it was that it was known that I had it, unless my oxygen levels are a certain amount. Or you know, if if my if you had a fever but it wasn't over one point um, a certain a certain degree, they were not going to admit you. You know, there it, it's just fact that you know the president's gonna get different treatment. You know, I mean, he's on. They put him on uh, a steroid. They put him on like all these different, um, basically a cocktail, if you will, of medication. And like, yeah, that's great. But if a regular person contact uh, contracts like COVID, they're not gonna get the same specialized care. And for him to say that we have the best care in the world, well, yeah, if, if you can afford it, you definitely do have it. But to, to say that anybody who's going to contract COVID is, is going to get that care, it, it, it's absolute BS because you're not. Like, I've experienced it. Yeah. Like, I did not get yeah. any care whatsoever, not even close to what he's been getting. So for him to come yeah. out and say that, well, you know, we have the best doctors and we're, we're going to fight this and blah, 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 and, like, don't be afraid of it. Like, like no, I'm terrified of it because I, I know what it felt like. And if you see videos of him – it looked like when he when he went on the balcony, he took his mask off. It it like to me, that's how I look when I'm having an asthma attack. I'm struggling to breathe, but I'm trying to remain calm so it doesn't look like I'm struggling to breathe. Like I I know that I know that face. Like I've done it a million times. So I mean, and for him to like show like he's so macho, like dude, you have coronavirus. No one gives a shit if you're macho or not. Like no one cares. I'm sorry, but to me, I just think it's kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of careless 
for him to say that it's not a big deal to like live your lives and go out. Like literally he said, go out and live your lives. Like, no, I'm sorry. But if, if I know someone who has COVID, I, I want to stay the hell away from them. Well, so, okay, here's what I I'm going to just, yeah, I know what you're saying, but here's why I'm going to disagree. Because here's the problem I've had with his entire, the science just beside, because you know, I, you know, I've been following the science now for like six, five months, and basically I've had people do research on my behalf. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of experts in this area. And in March, we were looking at something totally different in this regard. And this is the problem that – and I'll blame the media in a good portion because they've done a poor job of communicating it in context of where we're at and what it is and what it isn't. And, I mean, here's the thing. I look at what happened to the president, and my expression was, okay, what you had is I have no idea how many people in the White House got, got infected. But only one person went to the hospital. One guy who's overweight at 74 years old. Everybody else are being basically, you know, they got mild cases. They're going to recover. And I think to me, the real lesson of all of this is like with these professional athletes. You know, we've had literally now for the past several months boxing, baseball, basketball, football, all open up. Uh, and the number of cases, and obviously they're getting you know, special treatment in the sense that they got somebody there. Uh, you know, keeping tabs of all this, but the reality is this. The majority of these athletes who've gotten COVID have recovered quickly. Now, there are some who've had, let's say, you know, you know more better, worse cases than others. But nobody's well, we don't gone know to the hospital. Recovered. First of all, we don't know if he's recovered. Yeah. I mean, you could well, say I'm anything put... to the American people, and I'm sorry, but I don't trust that. And also, I think it's incredibly stupid of him to, you know okay. – um, he wasn't like if he let's say like he got it that Wednesday night where he went to the rally. Let's say he had it, okay? Because first of all, when he was supposed to do the um, the debate with Biden, he showed up too late to get the COVID test. Where they screened the candidates, he showed up too late to do so. They never they never you know figured out if yeah. he had it there or then or whatever. Let's just say he had it there. That's still not 14 days um, of quarantining. That's still not, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. You know, it's still not the appropriate amount um, to be quarantined. If he was anybody else, they would not have let him out of that hospital. If he was anybody else, know. they I, would not have. They would, they would, what, and they yeah. would have let yeah. him drive by with Secret Service in the car. By the way, I mean, if this was Obama who did this, you, you, and every other Republican would be screaming bloody murder. Let's get that right, right away, because that is fact. He also could have endangered the lives of the Secret Service if well, he okay, had it the, and was in the same yeah. car with them. Here's the point. He gets the pass because he's Donald Trump, and Donald Trump can do no wrong in the eyes of the Republican Party. Okay, let me, let me put back. I'm going to go back to his point, because here's the other – but here's the, I'm going to go back to the original point made here. He's the only one. They went to the hospital, and I doubt that they would have let him out if he wasn't going to be monitored. You saw him at work. You saw him recovering. You saw him go through the – but, again, I go back to my original point. 
Everybody else in the White House who's gotten it, nobody else has reportedly have gone to the hospital. And, and, and this is a point I'm – this is why I'm going to disagree with you. I mean I know you've had it, and, I, and we've known people who've had it. And, you know, I've known people who've had it, and it's like the worst thing in their life. And then I've known people who've had it, and it's like, well, I didn't even know I had it. Or it was like a you – know, it was something that went and came and gone. And we're finding the you – know, and the thing is, and this is the point I want to make to, you know, to the audience. We're looking at a virus that's 0.2 to 0.6. Rate. That's what we're talking about. And if you go to and this is and, this, and if you go look under, let's say the age fifty, it's either similar, comparable, or to the flu, as far as lethality goes. Now, note the word lethality. If you're over fifty, it's a totally different picture. But we're looking at a virus that is okay. Here's what I go say: you're twice. It's twice as lethal than the the, the flus we've had for the past decade. But if you look at the pandemic of 1957, if you look at the pandemic 1968 for this, I remember asking a friend of mine who's about my age, I said, do you remember the pandemic of 1968? And he looked at me like, no. He didn't. And, and I think the point that he's making, and, it, and by the way, I've made the same point of the show, that I've made the same point of the show that it's time to learn to live with the virus based on that, you know, the lethality that we talked about. Uh, you know, if, you know, if we were looking at the Spanish flu, that's a totally different picture because you're talking 2 million people, 3 million people equivalent on a per capita basis that would be, you know, subject to dying. We'd be looking at a world of 150 million people dying on a per capita basis. We have less than, you know, we have about 1.1 million. And I, I guess my point I would say, and I'm going to let you, uh, uh, I'll get you right back in here, is that the virus itself, you know, it's a health issue, but it's not as, you know, it was not as lethal as we thought to this, you know, after the next break is, did the economic lockdown shut down? Have we basically done more damage with the cure? I'm trying to find the truth. Trying to find I am a way. Concerned about the economy collapsing. I am a hundred percent concerned about that. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know a person who isn't. You know, I mean, my my income has definitely. I definitely have noticed a uh, a downward yeah. uh, spiral. Like I totally get that, but. At the same time, I, 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 I am lucky that I can choose to work from home because there's no way in hell I, I would go into an office right now. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. I have a friend of mine right now, and, you know, he's, he's, he's dealt with um, a really heartening – he has to take care of his – he has parents in their 90s, and, you know, he has to go across the country to basically um, – take care of them and when he told me he was flying I, I looked at him like are you insane because if you were to drive it's a three day drive you can sleep in your car he has a Tesla he can charge up his Tesla he can sleep and and make it but you know with parents who are literally 93 years old who have Alzheimer's who you have to quarantine like he's driving to Georgia and 
for me, I, are you flying there? And I was like, I would drive because once you're on that plane and especially knowing that you have elderly parents who are sick, you know, I, you're going to have to quarantine yourself away from them for at least like 14 days. Like you're going to have to, I mean, it's the same thing. If you, if I, if I were to book a flight to Hawaii right now, if I were to go to Hawaii, um, first of all, you have to, you have to go through all these crazy steps. You have to get tested. You have to, you know, you have to show that you got tested. You can't just, you know, hop on a plane and just, just go as you, as you will. But once you get there, once I step out and I'm in Hawaii, I have to literally get a hotel quarantine for 14 days before I'm allowed anywhere else. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so for, for me, when it comes to flying, like I probably won't fly for at least another year on that. I mean, if it's close enough where I can drive, like I'm doing that. Yeah, hold I mean, on to that thought. Though. Yeah, hold on to that thought. Yeah. I'm going to bring on the heavy, come right back with more of that. This is Tom Donaldson and Coco Konsky here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, get your flu shot. I, I'm, I'm just going to be very – I've already gotten my flu shot. And I, I'm going to give you, you know, some reasons why. First of all, number one, don't view the flu as an innocuous disease, a virus. In 2018, 2017, 2018, about 80,000 people died from the virus, 80,000. The younger generation, school children – they were even more likely to die or just as likely to die, depending on which statistics you read, as with COVID. So I, I just want to make sure that people understand, you know, the flu does hurt. Can, you know, if you're vulnerable, you can die. 80,000 people died. It's something we, you know, we don't, we take it for granted because we go through flu seasons every year. But get your flu shots, please. Uh all right, Coco, let's go ahead and uh, kind of go through with that point because you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, travel you know, throughout the United States. And I'll tell you my experience after this, and then we'll, uh, then we'll talk about because, you know, you do make some pretty interesting points. So kind of, you know, Hawaii, uh, you know, basically saying you have to be quarantined, what, for 14 days? Yeah. It's it's basically anywhere you go right now. I mean, Georgia's a mess, dude. I I I gotta tell you real quick how bad Georgia is. I have a friend of mine who works in the nightclub industry, and he's in a, he he does the lighting in basically all of Atlanta's like nightclubs. And it is yeah. so bad. He actually sent me a picture, and I'm literally praying for him because the picture he sent me was a room full of people, 200 people, Tom, squished together, and not one of them was wearing a mask. Like I went through that picture to see if anybody was wearing a mask. I mean, and it's so bad that, you know, he has his booth, and what he did, he actually put air filters in his booth. 
No one is allowed to come in. He brings his own food and, and, and drinks um, from home because, I mean, and he has to do this because he has to work. And yeah. Georgia is just so bad right now. Like, people don't think – people don't – I honestly think Georgia is worse than Florida because, you know, there are still people going out to nightclubs. They're not requiring the mask, you know. And it, it's just how it spreads. I mean, literally, a room packed – and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say a room packed. If I, still, if I had that picture, I would literally show you guys. It is literally 200 people standing arm in arm next to each other, and not then out of the 200 people were wearing a mask. Okay, okay. Here's what. Yeah, again, I first of all, I'm going to follow up on a point that you make because I'm going to, like I say, because you know every week the Donaldson, you know, the majority of the foundation we do, we and, and I put this by the way on my Twitter site. And, and I do occasionally put it on my website, DonaldsonTFiles.com. And we do a analysis every week of four things. Unemployment. Uh, we update on the employment day we have. We update the death per capita we have. We update uh, yeah, uh, claim, uh, unemployment claims. And, and total deaths. And okay. And like I say, I just got finished. You know, we just did a first phase of a study on the lockdown versus non-lockdown, red versus blue state. Okay. Okay. Georgia, six hundred sixty-five deaths per capita. Uh, let, let me put it this way. Let me let me compare this to because here's one of the things we do. We have, you know, we got all fifty states, but I also did one where we looked at the number of, let's say, the four most populous states, uh, which is, you know, for Republicans, the most populous state for Democrats. And we looked at California, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Ohio, Texas, and Florida. But, okay, Georgia is about 606 million deaths. The GP, the GOP average is approximately 544 uh, Okay, Pennsylvania, you know, Illinois is about 706. Pennsylvania is very close, 644. Uh, New York is outrageous at 1710. So in effect, you know, it, in effect is that, and what you are seeing, and the other thing I've noticed, we, you know, I've noticed, and so did my staff, is that overall, and I use the word overall across the country, including in these, you are seeing a slowdown of the debt. Uh, and here's what I'm going to emphasize very quickly, because what you would read in the media increased cases. What you don't understand is well, a lot of Well, I don't go by the media, Tom. I go, I go by what I know from yeah. my friends in Georgia. That's what I go by, Tom. I don't go by the media. Uh, I go by firsthand yeah. experiences and how bad it is. Well, let me put it to you this way. I go by the data. I, I look at the data every week. And, and I look at the data every week. And basically, uh, we're getting to that point of herd immunity, which is another subject that they discuss. And the question to me that comes in play is that it's essentially the same, you know, the same groups from the entire campaign: the elderly, mostly nursing homes, you know, nursing home patients, 
elderly, people with underlying disease conditions. I mean, and and I guess my question, because this is why I think it's interesting what you say about Hawaii, because the same thing's in New York. I can't go to, you know, I, I've been on an airplane. I've been to Reno, Nevada, and we didn't have any issues at all. I mean, we got off the plane. We had our masks on. You're, you know, you have to wear a mask on the plane. You have to wear a mask in the airport, which is uh, fine with me. Fine with me. You know, I don't have any, you know, I can live with that. If that's what the rules are, I'll live with that. But, you know, but in the case of New York, you're seeing, essentially, this is a city that lives off tourism. Lives off tourism. If I go visit my daughter, I can't even see my daughter for two weeks. We have to sit in a hotel room for two weeks. Yeah. You know, isolated. And that's, and to me, that's an overkill based on the number. I mean, again, I'm looking to at me, the data. I mean, it's not an overkill because, listen, Tom, like, I've had people that died. I know who died from this. Like, I had it. Yeah. You know, my yeah. my boyfriend's brother has had it. I mean, it, it's yeah. not, like, this isn't something to be taken lightly, and that's what pisses me off. It's like, yeah, you continue for life. I understand that. But to, to say that it's not harm and that, oh, well, you know, you'll be fine if you have it. Like, no, you won't. You won't. I mean, like, I almost died with it. So well, I mean, yeah, it's I an mean, insult yeah. to me. It's an insult to me when people, you know, don't wear their masks. You know, they they purposely go into grocery stores, you know, knowing that they have to have a mask, and they refuse to wear one to cause a scene. Why? To put on a mask? Seriously? Like, is your yeah. ego that bruised? Are you that – does a mask make you that emasculated that you, you can't literally do that? I don't understand. Okay. I, I really don't understand. How, if you're going to go out, wear, uh, wear a damn mask. I don't understand it. I mean, and if, okay, and, you know, are yeah. the people dying and their families care – the people who have died, do they really give a shit about the data? No, I wouldn't because I, I go by firsthand experience, Tom. That's what I'm going by. With Georgia, I'm, I don't give I don't give a shit about the media. I really don't. Uh, but, you know, well, I'm going yeah. by I'm going by what people that I live there are telling me. This has nothing well, to yeah, do with well, the media. Okay, so I'm not talking about me. Well, here's the thing. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the research data that I'm looking at. And the thing is, yeah, data does matter. Yeah, I you know I understand. You know you know you know we know people who had the virus. You know people who've died. But here's my question. You know. But the point would be is this. You're looking at a virus that the vast majority of people will get, will get a mild case. They're not going to get the severe case. They're not going to die. It's unfortunate for those who died, and it's nothing, you know, it's, one could be empathetic. But we're looking at a virus that basically 99.8% of the people who get it will survive. It's a two out of a thousand. Yeah, that is not just anecdotal. You also have to look at the entire picture. If you're going to make policy, you have to look at the entire picture because you have to look at the other side of that, namely, what's the other impact? Because there is an impact that goes just beyond an impact. It's not just about the economics. You know, we'll, you know, on the other side of this upcoming break, yeah, you know, we'll get in more into that because I think it's vitally important that people understand. It's, uh, you know, people understand there are trade-offs in life, and sometimes those trade-offs 
are not very good. And and here's the problem I have with the mask. Now, I get I wear the mask. Do so because, quite frankly, you know, a people it makes people around me better feel better. You know, uh, somehow or another, uh, I feel it might you know I feel a little better myself. Uh, if I go in a situation I know it's going to be crowded, like a grocery store. And I do go to my office, and again, you know, basically the office requirements is if you're outside of your office, you know, you're in the hallway, you know, you know, they want you to wear the mask. But here's the problem, the other side of the equation, and that is the data doesn't necessarily overwhelmingly support the use of a mask. I mean, I do it because of that reason, but when I, again, I'm a date, I mean, I look at the data and and for every study you've got out there that says, okay, this may have a benefit, there's a study out there that says it doesn't. And one of, the, and one of those studies was done by our own CDC. They did a study and said it didn't. There was no real significant difference. And I think this is also part of the problem is, you know, when I hear people say to me, well, we're going to save 100,000 lives wearing a mask. No, you're not. What you may do is say – you, you, know, you may have a marginal benefit wearing a mask to increase your chance of not getting the virus. But I'm not going to tell you you're going to save 100,000 lives. I would say to you it's a courtesy side because I think there are people out there vulnerable. You don't know if the person next to you is vulnerable, can survive it. Uh, that's fine. And if that's what it takes to get you know people out and about, I can live with that. But you know, let's not pretend wearing a mask is the end-all, be-all. It's one of many steps, like washing your hands, like not getting into people's faces. Uh, you know, that's another thing. You know, you know, you don't need to get in my face. Just take a step. You know, take a you know, few steps back, and we can still talk and understand each other. Uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and let you finish up, and then we're gonna go into our next promo. Go ahead. If you don't wear a mask, just don't go out. Like simple as that. Don't don't be selfish. Don't you know? I mean, especially if it's the law. And my point is, if it's if it's the law to if you have to wear a mask to go to a certain place and you knowingly are not going to just to cause a scene, then you know just stay your ass at home. Yeah. Okay. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. This is Tom Donson, Coco Koska here in the Donson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, and, and, and call in. If you want to call in right now, we got about 20 minutes left. Uh, 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. And we're, I do have to talk about this real quick. Uh, don't forget, the You and the Law follows this show as well. Great conversation Great. with two with two uh, police chiefs that have got 60 years of experience. So stay tuned, stay on this line, and don't leave this. Don't leave this. 
Blog Talk Radio Network. And again, you can hear our show rebroadcast 3 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as 12 Pacific, 7 a.m. Pacific. All right. So where were we? Oh, mask wearing. Yeah, mask wearing. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, I'm agnostic about the impact of the mask, but I'm with you in the sense that, you know, I I do it to make people around me comfortable, and uh, and I don't view it as a bothersome. I know, for example, when we do Pilates play, I tell you, try to work out with a mask. It is, you know, I I find myself, but we have. I go, but basically everybody else, for, it's, it's required to wear a mask in Pilates. They want you to do it. You know, everybody that's in my class is like over 55 to 65. So, you know, so basically, yeah. So basically, you know, I, I don't have any problems doing it. Uh, you know, I, I don't make those, uh, I, I, sometimes I, I don't want to make it a, one of those issues, you know, it's not. It's an inconvenience. You know, it's not an inconvenience. Just simply do it. Uh, but uh, I, I think, that, like I say, where you and me disagree are going to be. Is I look at the numbers. I look at this as a virus that we can live with, that has its impact, but it's not the Spanish flu. It's not the bubonic plague. It's closer to the '57 and 1968 pandemic. All right, I, all right, go ahead. Then no, I mean, I said what I was going to say. All right. Well, I didn't know if you want to say anything else extra. All right, here's the other thing in the equation, because here's the side quick of this. And tomorrow night, uh, Cece Harrison is going to be joining us as part of our October month. But remember, it's October, October on the Donaldson Files, because we're going to be rocking away. We're having a great conversation already. And, uh, and it's great to have you back, though, though. We missed you. Ah. So, but, all right. But here's the other side of the equation. Okay. Uh, is, again, I, I would say if you're a policy baker, if you're a Newsom, if you're a DeSantis, if you're a No, if you're a Como, I mean, this is the other side of the equation you have to live with. If that is... That is. So hold on, just go ahead and uh, Coco, go ahead and add a couple more things here. I've got a, a situation. I'm getting my phone sure. a little bit. Um, well, you know, if we're gonna, you know, keep talking about. Um, actually, I want to talk about Halloween. So, um, it's my favorite holiday. Um, and yes, it is a holiday. I have declared it. I have been declaring it for like 30 years. Um, and so I'm like trying to really find some good Halloween movies to watch. And, you know, one of my favorite um, networks that I, I love to use, I, I love Sling TV. Um, and I realize they, they have over like 800 horror movies. So does Amazon Prime. And, I've noticed Netflix is coming out with some really, really amazing um, horror movies, horror TV shows. Uh, one of the things I really want to watch is the 
Haunting a Blind Manor, which is basically the, I don't want to call it a sequel, but it's um, the second chapter of uh, House on um, the Haunting of Hill House, which if you guys have not read the book, I definitely, definitely urge you to if you like really scary stories. Um, Also, Adam Sandler is coming out with the Halloween movie, and I don't know what to feel about that. (laughs) I mean, I like Adam Sandler in the 90s, but uh, so he's coming out with the Halloween movie. It does look interesting. It looks funny. It has a great cast. So that actually, I think, premieres tomorrow night. So um, that's what I've been doing. I've just been watching a lot of horror. I mean, the book that I'm writing is a horror anthology. So as part of my research, I literally have to sit down for like 12 hours a day and literally watch horror movies, which probably seems like really fun at first. But um, I notice when you're writing a horror novel or an anthology series or whatever it is, like you sometimes just scare yourself. Um, I, I've, yeah. I've been scaring myself actually sometimes. Because I'll, I'll, I'll watch okay. like, these yeah. movies at 2 in the morning, and, you know, it, 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 it's part of research, but at the same time, it's like, God, I'm scaring my own self. Okay, okay hold on a second there, Coco. We've got, on the other line, we've got, first of all, we're going to have two guests coming up. Uh, so I do want to want to talk to Laura Donna. Laura Donna, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yay! Thank you for having Yay. me. Hi! Hi! <laughs> Hi! I'll tell you the reason... Oh. No, yeah. like I say, the reason why I brought you on real quickly, uh, we're yeah. going to give you a five or six, you know, is uh, you've been working on this movie of yours, so, yeah. and you've mm-hmm. been doing it with dolls. So why don't you I know, tell right? Let's talk a local. Yeah, go ahead and tell everybody no. about your movie, what you're doing. Okay. Well, so um, after I made the feature, uh, Pentimento, I was pretty broke. And so, and I wrote a script. It took me like a year and a half. And, and I, was, I was like, I didn't want to wait to look for investors and stuff like that. It's such a crazy process, you know, and I could have probably, it could have took me another four or five years just to see if I could raise some money. And I wanted to do something different. And, uh, you know, dogs are not alive. <laughs> they are not actors. So I didn't have to cast anybody. I mean, it has its own challenges, but, um, you know, it's so much, it's cheaper and also it allows me to cast whoever I want and uh, do uh, go as crazy as possible. Because right. the movie is going to have a lovemaking scene, it's going to have sex, and blah, 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 and so, uh, and I, I could do whatever I want, and I don't have to ask permission, yeah. but, you know, of course. You know, it's it's challenging to work with dogs because they're not alive. So I have to yeah. move them and do camera work most of the time. I will have to look for an assistant and blah blah blah. All this kind of stuff. But it's fun. It's yeah. fun, really. All right. Okay. So the movie's White Swan, which uh, well, no, I correct? changed the title. I changed the title okay. because um, I wanted to change the title. So, <laughs> and, and it's called uh, Where Did You Go, Little Souls? And. Uh, okay. Okay, Maybe would you I repeat that again? Word? again, and I change the title again. Who knows, right? Yeah, right. Okay, well, okay, real quick. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, hmm. It sounds like you're outside, so we're gonna. Hmm? Yeah. 
It sounds like you're outside, aren't you? Yes, I am outside. I mean, 36th Street <laughs> close to uh, the Empire State Building. Yeah. All right. All right. Real quick. I mean, here's what we're going to do real quick. Uh, uh, we're going to have you talk very briefly about, uh, you know, where people can see some of the films because you've been putting this. I think it's oh, on how, Facebook, how, how, on your Twitter. Well, you know, uh, if yeah, you have a website. You know, I think, yeah, I think the best place to see some of the videos because it's an animated movie. Like I, I'm making it with dolls, but I'm animating the, the faces and that I will have to use voiceover actors to do the voices and stuff like that. I think the best place to really see some stuff is Instagram. Like that's where right now I'm posting most of my stuff. And actually, okay. I must. I should have. Yeah, I should update my website. I didn't update it yet. But yeah, Twitter is great. But Twitter is not my medium of choice right now. I think Instagram works better for what I'm doing. So most of the stuff that I like, little segments of the movies that I'm making are also yeah, Facebook too. But Instagram is like, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right, so and you so want to know my handle on Instagram? It's yeah, yo, yo, tell name, everybody your handle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's my name in reverse plus art. So A N A D E R O L Anadero Lar because my name is Loredana, and I, you know, so Anadero Lar, and uh, you can find all my videos in there. All right, sounds good. Uh, I'd like to say, before I leave here, because I'm going to get back mm-hmm. to Coco and, and Halloween, mm-hmm. is you mm-hmm. do have a sex scene. Halloween? Yes. You have what? You have a sex scene with dolls, right? Yeah. How was that? Well, yeah, I didn't shoot it yet. <laughs> I didn't shoot it yet. It's going to be so much fun. Because I'm going to have, listen, this is, the, this is the fun part. Because I'm going to have nudity. You know, I'm going to have full nudity. Because I don't have to ask permission to anybody. Nobody's going to feel embarrassed about it, you know? I can do whatever I want. Well, and you know what? Yeah. When I, I my, my friend gave, okay, and the protagonist, the male protagonist is Asian. Can you believe it? How many times do you see in American movies a protagonist is Asian? You don't see a lot besides Bruce Lee, hmm. but that was a long time ago. So the protagonist is going to be Asian. And when I got the doll, surprise, surprise. You know, they they also sent me a penis. Can you believe oh, that? Okay. No, I, I do not crazy, believe right? that. Uh, what about that, Coco? I didn't know. Uh, yeah, Coco, what do you think of that? I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> they sent me two penises. I'm not making this up. I can't make this up. I didn't order it. Yeah. It came with a doll. Two penises. One oh, two pe- erect and one uh, not erect. I know it sounds silly, right? But it's like what? That's crazy. What? Uh, yeah. That is that is kind of yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Uh, I, I guess, know, uh, but I didn't order. It just came with the doll. That's crazy, right? They go, yeah. they go all, all right. the way, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, like I said, we're gonna. I want to thank you very much uh, for coming on no, very thank briefly. Thank you for we'll, having me at the last minute. You know. Yeah, and. And like I say, we're this is the third year anniversary of uh, the Donaldson Files being on the air, and, and so we're we're bringing it back all of our old guests. So we may have you back on one more time before the end of the month. Uh, listen, Ooh, thank I'd you very that. much. Yeah. 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 Thank you very. And uh, okay, Coco. Uh, yes. 
Back to yeah, back to Halloween real quick. Well, like I said, I'm you know, no matter what you write, you're always gonna research whether that includes reading or watching something. And for me the best way to get ideas or just kind of um is research like true hauntings and I I've come across some really, really creepy ones. Um I've talked to people who have experienced it. Um, I definitely have experienced it, so there's no doubt in my mind that it doesn't exist. But basically what my book is about is these are 10 short stories of the paranormal. Um, they take place in different different holidays. Like I have one for Halloween. I have one for Valentine's Day. Um, I have one for Christmas, obviously. And... Um, they're they're all all the ones that I've written. They are based on true stories. They are 100% based on you know whether it is a haunted lake or you know a haunted pub. You know these all took place and they are all documented. Well, let me ask you this other question because obviously, uh, you know the last states are not going to allow Halloween to be actually be celebrated. So what's your I got to be able to know what your thoughts are. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going out on Halloween. There's no way in hell I'm going out on Halloween. (laughs) Um, Well, you know what we're going to do? We're just literally just going to chill out, and we're going to, you know, watch horror movies (laughs) like I've been doing all day. Um, And, you know, just kind of like, you know, obviously, like, pig out on junk food. I mean, why not? It's Halloween. Yeah. Um, So... That that's my plan. Let me ask you a question. What I, is? I also, well, I do I do have kids in my in my my um my building, so they're obviously yeah. going to dress up and they're going to come by our house and I'm going to like hand out candy to them, whatever. Um, it's funny because uh my next door neighbor just moved in about a week ago and they have the same name as my dog, their their son does. So anytime I hear the word Reagan, it's either their kid or it's my dog. <laughs> Yeah, okay, this is uh, Tom Donaldson back on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelors Radio Network. Um, uh, I have to apologize. I had a drop on my side of the equation. It looks like Coco's got a drop on her side of the equation. So uh, I apologize for that. we got about four or five, about four minutes left. So... uh, and, and like I said, what we're going to be doing in the entire – what we're going to be doing is in the entire month of October, we're going to basically be, you know, special guests uh, coming along. We call it October, October. So here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, is this. If you go to my Twitter site at Donaldson Files, uh, Twitter site, you you can get your free book. D- DM me at the Donaldson Files on Twitter. Direct message me. Give me your address. You'll get a free book. We pay for and we are going to go ahead and pay for everything. And Coco, sorry about that. Uh, That's okay. I don't. Yeah, no, I had a you know, I, I pushed the wrong button. It ended up oh. taking myself off the air. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So, okay, so basically the kids are going to be doing Halloween in your building. 
Is that how that yeah, works? Yeah, I guess. I guess they are, you know. Um, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Scariest movie. Uh, scariest Halloween. Scariest horror movie that you would want to you would want to re-see on Halloween. Okay, here's the problem with that, and I hate that question. There, to me, there's no such thing as the scariest movie. I mean, there's so many different horror genres that you know. Well, it depends. Like, what scare? It's really what scares you. Like, I'm not scared of stalker slashers. Like, I'm not scared of slasher movies. That that I actually find them funny. Um, most American films. And well, I should basically say all American films, they don't scare me. Um, I think they're pretty weak. Um, I do tend to enjoy um, more foreign horror than anything else. Um, you know, you know. so if you really just look at, like, The Orphanage, which is a Spanish film, that is scary. Um there's there's so many out there, Tom. Like I literally cannot just like on the spot name one. I can't. Yeah, yeah I tell you what, the, the, what I thought because to me, the original Dawn of the Dead, the original one, the, like, Dawn, you know, yeah, the the original one, that to me was scary. Yeah, it, when I think of that of horror, because first of all, it was pretty much amateurishly done. But you could almost feel like I'm not usually a documentary, but it certainly was not a big feature film, as much of as a raw, black and white. Uh, you know, it, you, you know what I'm saying? It's you had that yeah. rawness. I was rawness. I was there. The George Romero put it for two, and I think that added to the horror of the of the film. And of course, at the very end. Yeah. You know, with you know, with the, you know, you know, the ending itself is, you know, it is, you know, has its own point as well. So, yeah. So I'll tell you what. Tomorrow night, C.C. Harrison will be joining us. This is Coco Konski, Tom Donaldson, saying good night on the Donald from the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we want to remind our listeners that the call-in number to the show is uh, 
929-0130. That's 646-929-0130. And we also want to remind you that you can follow You and the Law on our social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook at You and the Law. You can follow us on Instagram at You Score and the Law. And you can also follow us on Twitter at You the Law One. That's You the Law One on Twitter. So go to our social media platforms and like our pages and Send us some comments that you may have about our show and uh, uh, let us know uh, what you think about you and the law. So without further ado, I want to introduce the man of the hour, and he goes by the name of Chief Swag. Now, what's, what's, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing? What's going, How you doing, what's going on? Sir? I'm doing all right today, sir. How are you doing? Man, I'm, you know what? Tell you what, man. Anytime I can share. Oh, here we go. The the the, the microphone with you, man, or, or, or co-host with you. I couldn't be any better, man. So I appreciate you, man. And we got to give a shout out to our producer, man, brother Bachelor, L.A. Bachelor, man. What's going on, brother? L.A. Bachelor is is the man. He is the man. We definitely we we definitely cannot do this without L.A. Bachelor. And and that is a that is another brother who has a a suave a suave name, L.A. Bachelor. So yeah. so man, we so so we we've, we've got a lot to talk about with our listeners over the next uh, uh, hour on on the you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. But uh, Keith, you know, one of the things uh, I definitely want to start the show out with. Um, you know, we need to definitely recognize the, the life that was lost in, in Arkansas, um, not too far from Little Rock in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, yesterday where a police officer um, was was uh, killed in the line of duty, and there's another officer that is in a hospital recovering from his injuries. And so just a, a, a tragic scene that played out yesterday in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, where, uh, unfortunately, uh, another police officer has lost his life. Yeah, man, a young officer had been on the department for five years, and uh, yeah. I'd like to send condolences to Officer Kevin uh, Collins' family and uh, mm-hmm. Chief Kelvin Sergeant of the uh, Pine Bluff Police Department and to that community, man. They are they are hurting right now. Yeah, yeah, as you said, he's only been with the Pine Bluff Police Department for uh, a little less than five years, and, uh, you know, as you, you know, stated that any, you know, the police community all over Arkansas and just all over the country is definitely has that uh, community and that agency in their prayers. So, um, and, you know, cause you know, Pine Bluff is just only 40, 40 miles from Little Rock. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a community that's a, it's a pretty, pretty good sized community and they got a real nice police department. So. Yeah, but, uh, they, they do, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it keeps in, in other, other, uh, news, you know, today that the uh, uh, police officer in Texas uh, was uh, arrested and charged with uh, a recent shooting uh, again uh, of another unarmed black man, uh, and I think this this happened over the weekend, I believe, and I don't it has uh, gotten a lot of media attention, other than in the state of Texas and the. Uh, uh, in that area where it occurred at, and 
quickly the Texas Rangers uh, took over took over the investigation and uh, charges have been filed against uh, this officer for uh, shooting an uh, unarmed black man who apparently, according to the, the, the uh, information that uh, has been put out, he was trying to intervene and stop some type of domestic disturbance that was going on at this, um, I believe, at a gas station. Yeah, you know what, you know what, Virgil? Um, actually, it did get news. It was on Good Morning America, and it's also on the Today Show. And, oh, and okay. I want to say, man, yeah. So that's that's ten miles from where I went to college, man. I went to college in Commerce, Texas, and so um, Wolf City is a, a I would say a, a town that's between Commerce and Paris, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, not too far from Sherman and Denison, and uh, there was an outpour of, of support. Uh, for uh, for the young man's family, and I tell you, man, I've never seen an arrest that that quick. Uh, I tell you, uh, the body camera and the witnesses' statements must have been pretty uh, compelling. Definitely, Keith, and and, and I think you know, uh, like you stated, that this was something that um, when you go back and you look at the uh, situation that took place with the Dallas police officer and uh, going into the apartment and uh, was not her apartment and shooting and killing uh, that person uh, several uh, years ago. Um, How long it took, you know, initially that started out, Dallas PD started investigating it, and then the chief, uh, she turned it over to the Texas Rangers. And even still, there wasn't an an immediate charge brought forth against that officer, but in this one here, we're seeing within less than 48 hours, uh, charges have been brought against this officer. So that goes, you know, people, those who who discredit how investigations take place, this is one to look at to say that they got it, they got it right and that it didn't take a very long time for this investigation to, to play out. So, um, uh, again, just another tragic situation where somebody is trying to, to do the right thing and an overzealous police officer who initially, I believe he, he tased the, uh, this gentleman and then ended up shooting him, uh, which was just totally uncalled for Keith. Uh, well, Virgil, let me give you a little bit of history in that in that area, man. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware okay. um, that that county. I, I want to say that's Hunt County. Don't hold me yeah, to it that. Hunt County. Yeah, it's, it's Hunt, Hunt County. County. Yeah. Uh, Greenville, Te- Greenville, Texas, which is the the seat of Hunt County. And um, uh, when I went to college there, man, in, in the early '80s, they had a sign that says "Welcome to Greenville, Texas, the home of the blackest land and the whitest people." And wow. uh, so, yeah, and so there was other, I would also ask the listeners to look up the case of Linnell Jeter. Uh, Linnell Jeter was a young African-American engineer that worked for uh, E-Systems, uh, which had one time been a company owned by Ross Perot. And uh, he went to lunch, and uh, he was accused of robbing a Kentucky Fried Chicken on his lunch. And... Uh, it uh, it ended up, I believe, Linnell spent 18 months in the Texas Department of Corrections before it was proven that he wasn't anywhere near that restaurant. And uh, 
So that that area has a history of. But what I will tell you to see the the actions of the sheriff's department and the rangers, and also to see the uh, the community come together, uh, says a lot about the how the times have changed uh, in that in that area. Exactly, exactly. You're definitely right about that. Hey, Keith, we want to let our listeners know that to, today we're going to be taking up a topic that is definitely at the forefront of the news. It's something that law enforcement is going to be dealing with over the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming elections and how that is going to be playing out. So uh, we're going to be discussing the potential of civil unrest at the polls and um, and what laws prohibit uh, police at the polling places. So after the break, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to jump into that topic. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Law enforcement and attorneys general are some of the people that President Trump said he wants to send to poll locations for the upcoming election. During a phone interview on Fox News, Sean Hannity asked Trump how he planned to monitor voting in the name of guarding against voter fraud. Trump listed quite the lineup. We're going to have everything. We're going to have sheriffs and we're going to have law enforcement and we're going to have hopefully U.S. attorneys and we're going to have everybody in attorney general. CNN reports it's unclear if the president has the authority to do this with Rick Hasen, an election expert at the University of California at Irvine, telling the outlet that the Trump campaign could hire off-duty police to monitor the polls. But President Trump wouldn't have authority to deploy local law enforcement. Still, the news outlet points out that the Trump campaign is recruiting tens of thousands of Republican volunteers for what they said could be their largest poll-watching operation. Trump's comments on sending attorneys and police to polls come after voting rights groups and some Democratic officials have said the president's previous comments, especially against mail-in ballots, are an attempt to suppress voters. To want to welcome our listeners back to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, as you just uh, listened to a uh, recording uh, courtesy of a uh, news outlet where the president has talked uh, about uh, sending either federal agents or uh, having local police and sheriffs uh, go to polls or be in the vicinity of polls. So, Keith, I think this is a, a topic that we uh, definitely need to, you know, have with our listeners because, again, this just goes back to um, any time police officers insert themselves into something, uh, oftentimes it ends up in a, uh, in a way that could potentially take the life of a, of a, of a, of a, of a black person. So, um, I just don't think that this is something that uh, uh, a lot of agencies really need to be um, involved with, and I think it's something that is just going to really, over the next couple of weeks, Keith, this is going to be really a trying time for police and how how the, the how the law enforcement community is going to deal with uh, preparing for this uh, election coming up on November the third. Man, that is going to put a lot of pressure. I mean, it's going to be very, very stressful and very trying times for law enforcement. Uh, what I will tell you is that we are uh, we're seeing some things that we're working on. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
Virgil, uh, we have locked down all the leave for all of our officers for that week. So beginning that Sunday before the um, elections and the following Sunday, uh, we're not allowing any officers to take leave. Uh, and so uh, we just don't know what to expect. But one of the things I can I, I will tell you is you have to be really careful <laughs> placing officers inside um Polling locations. Now, if you want to have, yeah, yeah, if you want to have an officer there for uh, security purposes to prevent disruption, fine. But to have uh, federal troops there and and a national guard and 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 five or six, unless you have information that there's going to be a problem, uh, putting, you know, uh, having officers, especially federal and state officers. Uh, at these polls, that doesn't send the right message. It, it can be, it can get really messy, and it can go back to what we saw back in the fifties and sixties. Well, definitely, and, and and that was the point, Keith, that you know wanted to make with our listeners was that you know we saw those images back in the fifties and sixties that involved law enforcement, and and where law enforcement had no place of even being there, but they inserted themselves there. And, you know, you go to this, you know, this scenario comes up. Well, if we get a call, we have to go. Well, you know, you may have somebody who may say, well, there's, you know, you know how people call in and just make up random things to say to a dispatcher and the dispatcher he or she doesn't know. They're just going off of what they're being told, and now officers are being dispatched. That can potentially cause some confrontation because, as we know, what you know, especially you know, people in our community, in the black community, they're not just going to uh, just stand there and just not say anything. So potentially, you can have somebody saying. What are you doing here? And you've got an officer saying, well, it's none of your business. And then next thing you hear, well, I need to see your ID. Well, no, I'm not going to show it to you. Now you kind of get the picture of what can escalate to something that can turn out to be, that can disrupt the the voting process. So um, I think, and then on top of that, Keith, you know, the show is not a political show, but we kind of touch on things that are political. When you have a president who really does not condemn white supremacy and he comes out and he makes this comment about this group. And now you may have this group who feel like they're entitled to show up at certain polling places to do the work of what the, the, the president wants them to do. And that in itself, Keith, can cause a problem for law enforcement because, again, you got heavily armed men, and now you got heavily armed police officers. Man, I will tell you this, man. It is going to be crazy. Um, it's going to be crazy. And, and, and yeah. I will tell you this. Nobody knows what to expect. I think everybody's on edge, uh, Verge, because nobody knows what to expect. Nobody no, knows and, what to expect. No, and and you know, Keith, you know, the Justice Department uh, recently put out uh, some information related to the election day that they're uh, planning for the possibility of election day violence, uh, even voting uh, 
you know, uh, where voting could be some type of disruption with with voting. So this is something that the Department of Justice and uh, is definitely taking serious, uh, even under the administration of the uh, of the Trump administration. You've got the Justice Department, who is a separate branch from that uh, government, but you got the FBI and uh, all those agencies who fall under the Justice Department are really taking this serious and trying to be prepared and and will be working with, with local law enforcement to make sure that there isn't any type of violence. And uh, because, again, we're probably going to see long lines and uh, – and then on top of that, you've got people that are going to assume. And, and, you know, Keith, I heard somebody say, well, it's my right to go to a polling place to make sure that, that this person is has the right to vote. What law gives another person the right to ask me for my ID or my voter registration card? That's just the mindset that some people are having, Keith. And, and when you do that, that's just going to escalate things into a, a, a situation. And, and I guess, you know, I'm going to ask you this question, you know, will law enforcement be prepared? Or, and I think I've heard, Keith, I've heard some law enforcement agencies say, well, you know, we're just going to be business as usual. I, I, don't, I just don't think that's going to be possible. Well, what I will tell you is I don't think you have anybody who uh, doesn't understand that um, you know, once you go in, your your identification needs to be displayed to verify your ID. I don't think anybody. I mean, that's just the way the process is. Either you have your voter's ID card and your driver's license, or you just have your driver's license or state registered ID. That's that's not a problem. Everybody's used to that. But you're absolutely right. Can you just imagine people standing out that have no, no affiliation? With voters, with the um, uh, you know, with the voting process, and saying, "Let me see your, come on, man, really?" I yeah. mean, they, they don't have any affili- affiliation with the with the voting process. They're not trained uh, because those individuals um, they're trained in. Um, I forgot what their actual term is, but they are trained in, um, you know, in in, in operating voter. Uh, precincts. They go through a training. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they go through a they go through a training. So, can you just imagine the average person, the average per person, no matter what race, no matter what gender, just all of a sudden, average Joe Blow or Sally Smith asking you, "Hey, uh, let me see you drive. Like, make sure that you know you live here, or make sure you're a resident of a citizen. You have your citizenship. Can you just imagine that? Can you imagine what that's going to be?" And then this person, because you refuse, this person decides to call 911. Man, can you just imagine? That's going to, you know, and, and I'm afraid that that might happen in, in some in some areas. Yeah, it, you're going to take you're going to take yeah. some. They're going to be some citizen or some of some some of the um, some of these groups that you know vigilante type groups that are going to take it upon themselves to police the voter. Uh, at, at the locations where people can vote. That's, that, that scares me. Well, yeah, and, and I'll say this, Keith, and, and, and I think, you know, our listeners are, are pretty, probably pretty well informed just like we are, and they've been watching the news. But when, when you have the president of the United States who plants the seed 
several weeks, several days ago or several weeks ago when stating on a, another news outlet that he was going to have, you know, shares and U.S. attorneys and all these other individuals at these polling uh, places, he planted the seed. And that, that seed is just going to continue to fester with individuals and with groups who feel like, well, the president said we could do it. Well, no, he didn't. But there again, you got people who are going to insert themselves into something that could potentially cause a problem for the voters and potentially and will definitely cause a problem with local law enforcement because, again, like you stated in, in Little Rock, you know, everybody, all hands are going to be on deck. Uh, over that, you know, days leading up to the election and, and days after the election. So, uh, but you've got some agencies who, and, and on top of that, we're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with something that is daily increasing, Keith. And so it, it is a lot in, in, in just how law enforcement is going to really prepare for any event and you know, I'll say this, and I, you know, I, I know LA uh, is, is definitely in tune with this here. But man, when you start rolling out, you know, military tanks, and you got officers and 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 all these, you know, SWAT gears and all that stuff, now that just heightens the the tension uh, that could potentially happen on election day. Yeah, it does, man. I tell you, it's uh, I don't, we don't know what to expect. That's why. Uh, you know, that's why I took the actions that I did and pretty much said nobody's off because we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 we definitely don't. And again, you know, you know, listeners want to remind you that you're listening to You and the Loan, the Bachelor News Radio Network, and the call in number to the show is 646 929 0130. And if you uh, don't catch the live show, you can uh, catch the rebroadcast shows, and uh, which come on. Uh, Every day from 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the bachelornews.airtime.pro. You can catch the rebroadcast of You and the Law at the bachelornews.airtime.pro. And uh, but the topic that we're having today, uh, listeners, is we're talking about the upcoming elections and how that how law enforcement is going to be involved with that and the fact that uh, the potential of of some some civil unrest potentially and you know keep you know obviously you know we'll lead us to to other people to talk on this on this topic but this could have some people saying that i I just don't want to go to the polls i'll just stay at home so now we're talking about intimidation uh of 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 people who uh, may decide they don't want to because of the potential for violence but uh you know, Keith, we're coming up on our next break, uh, but uh, we want to remind uh, our listeners that if, you know, the chat room is open, and if you've got a comment when you call into the show, if you would like to come on air and, and talk with us, uh, please let the producer know. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com 
And if you missed the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Chief Humphrey, Chief Green, here on the Bastion News Radio Network. As uh, you heard Chief uh, Green uh, say, you can listen to the rebroadcast if you've missed this fine show uh, every 4 a.m., 7 p.m. Eastern Time at thebastionnews.airtime.pro. Bachelor with a T. Uh, gentlemen, the question is of the night as it relates to this topic is what are you going to do with white supremacists? If we, some people have missed that, if you did comment on that. Uh, they want to know, what are you going to do? I understand that the law is the law, and everybody has a right to uh, follow the law. So if they're not breaking the law, it's one thing. But what if they are calling people nigger and, and, and all that and uh, taking to the polls like the the miserable failure in the White House occupying uh, wants them to do? What, what do you do then? Well, you are, well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, yes, people have a right to freedom of speech, but they don't have the right to incite to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to violate a person's. Um, you can't incite a riot, and you, and you can't be insightful. So, for instance, if uh, you know saying the N word, uh, that may not be criminal, but if you're saying if you're saying it enough, it's offending enough people. Then it becomes a, a criminal violation, and then you have to take the action of: Do you ask this person to leave? Uh, are they continuing this act? Um, and uh, then you have to take enforcement action. It's like I like it's that old saying: uh, First Amendment is freedom of speech, but that doesn't mean you have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. Uh, just just like somebody saying the N word, somebody cursing you, even if that person's not offended and someone else is offended, that's a criminal violation. And so, you know, how do you enforce that? Do you put them in jail? Do you write them a ticket? Do you give them a warning to leave? I think each case is, 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 is different, but you, you have to make, you have to stand up and say, you can't, you can't violate that person's rights. <clears throat> so I think a lot of times people uh, get confused and think, well, this person said this. Well, it might not be a violation of law. Well, this person is offended. Well, yeah, but I mean, so it's it's not an easy answer. And so, um, a lot of times you can't arrest. Sometimes you can. Uh, when it gets to the point of it's going to incite a riot or, or or a breach of the peace or other people, then I think you have no choice but to but to enforce. I yeah, guess too. And, and, you know, um, the question the, the question is I didn't mean to cut you off, Chief, because uh, uh, Chief Humphrey um, and these are questions that are coming in. Chief Humphrey makes a point of you know, freedom uh, of speech comes with a price. And so if they're not legally, uh, they're not violating, violating any laws, Chief Green, but they're antagonizing. Um, and what if it's a city that you bear arms at the polls or what? It, it, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in guys' position. And I, I guess 
um, one person asked, what would you do in the cities that you guys are in? What's the law on the books for the cities that you're in right now? Well, this, this, go, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead, Virgil. No, you go ahead. Well, well, you know, one of the things I want to share with our listeners, L.A., uh, is, is that, uh, you know, every state has uh, laws related to the type of conduct uh, people are supposed to display. So, or when they're at the polls. And we already know that, you know, no candidate of, of any kind can can have supporters at the polling location. They can't display, you know, all their banners and all that kind of stuff at any polling location. Uh, but every state has different laws related to election day conduct. And so, um, but when you talk about, you know, especially in Oklahoma and Arkansas and other states that have open carry, uh, how does that impact what laws are prohibit people from wearing a firearm into a polling place? And so, uh, and Keith, I, you know, in, in, you know, Arkansas is no different than Oklahoma, but it's open carry. How, how is how can that impact or even you've got some people who feel like that's a form of intimidation, even though you have the right to carry a weapon, but we're talking about at a polling location. Well, well, Bert, to think about it, and if you if you remember when they when they passed those open records and also open carry, and also the concealed carry, the law is very strict. There are certain locations that you are prohibited from taking a weapon even if you have the right to carry one and so you can't polling locations is one governmental businesses schools so there are laws state laws that prevent prevent you from going into those locations with a weapon i mean they'll even have them posted now i think the question becomes what if they're standing across the street but there's really nothing you can do as long as they're not standing on public on private property. If they're on the sidewalk, if they're not blocking the traffic, as long as they're not on that property where that polling, where the voting is taking place, they're within the law. But it's when they're on that property. Laws are pretty clear. You can't be on the premise of polling during a voting activity. It's very, very strict. You can't go inside a courthouse. You can't go inside other locations. With those, with the weapon, no matter if you do have a, even no matter if the state is an open carry, no matter if you do have a, a license to carry, they're just it, it, the laws are pretty strict and prohibit that. Yeah, well, Keith, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a share with you in in L.A. and our listeners is that it Virginia is a little different. Now we may have listeners that are are listening to us in Virginia, but election officials say that recently a man didn't break any laws because Virginia has an open, is an open carry state, meaning that the individual uh, generally allowed to carry an unconcealed weapon in public. So you had somebody who was in line, uh, you know, doing early voting, and here's a man who showed up with a handgun in his waistband. Uh, but, in, but as I'm reading this here, Virginia – since it is an open carry state, they're saying this man broke no laws. Yeah, that's what we were saying. Every state is different, but yeah. it's very clear. It's very clear uh, in in certain in certain states. Most of the states you can't do that. 
And can you just imagine if somebody was, if somebody were to enter a polling location with a weapon or standing in the door of a polling location with a weapon? Can you imagine how intimidating that would be? Do you imagine how many people would turn around and leave? Uh, do you yeah. imagine an argument inside one of those facilities and someone is so hot-headed uh, that they pull out a weapon uh, and it gets into an altercation where somebody's hurt? I mean, it's it's just so many uh, things and what they'll normally do, and I've seen this in Oklahoma, they'll normally have uh, a county, depending on the location uh, where that voting place is uh, at, they'll have a police officer uh, working yeah. to make sure the peace, you know, they don't get involved in any of the, they kind of stand back watching to make sure nothing, uh, no violations are, are uh, you know, committed. Peace. Can I just uh, share something with you just to get some clarity from our audience? And actually, in North Carolina as well, uh, Chief Green, you had said um, there uh, that candidates can't be there or promote on the day of um, the election. Is, is that correct? Because um, I know here, you know, when it's even in early voting and the day of voting, and this is politics, this is what people would ask, um, that you have people who will give you like an all-Democratic ballot or all-Republican ballot or whatever. Um, but the day of, they, I've seen not the candidates, but the candidates' people standing outside trying to hand out maybe templates, uh, uh, I mean, um, flyers of that candidate's party, but also saying, you know, we represent so-and-so and so-and-so. And And I think um, it's important um, for you to to clarify that part of it. Yeah, L.A., if I can can clarify that, if I can clarify that, L.A., they're not allowed to be on the property of the polling. Now, they can be in the vicinity, but a lot of the the states prohibit them from being on the actual property of of the polling they can be across the street they have to be a certain distance from that location when they're handing out those uh that that literature there's a there's yeah. a you know what? Maybe, that they have to maybe, be yeah maybe maybe i'm me personally getting confused because i know i've done early voting and they were actually right outside the door maybe you know uh right. 50 feet uh, and then maybe the day of they were across the street. So maybe I got it confused, but uh, uh, I was confused about that. And then I guess the other question to you both, again, another question came in is um, our responsible police chief, let's say, but I'm talking about the brothers, really. Um, are, are they looking at, um, should they be looking at, again, is coming from the top, the guy occupying the White House, Basically telling the what was it, the, the I don't I forgot the uh, white supremacist uh, group that he said stand 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 by and all that kind of stuff. Are, yeah. are are you looking, Chief Humphrey, Chief, Chief Green, in terms of intel to try to dwarf that to be proactive about okay. that at all? Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely, L.A. and and the and I don't know if you're aware of this, but last week. The FBI put out a uh, notice uh, to the to all uh, police departments that basically said uh, they are concerned about elevated violence uh, on the voting day. 
uh, based on uh, different the intelligence that they're receiving uh, regarding various groups. So even the FBI has said that there's a there is a potential for violence uh, on, on election day, and so that's why you're seeing more and more uh, police departments uh, lock down uh, time off. You know, no time off. Uh, more off bringing bringing uh, officers in on their days off and paying uh, overtime so that the right uh, there'll be enough staffing to cover or to be able to respond to you know whatever happens we just don't know what to expect la but yeah uh, we're working with federal partners and we're getting as much intelligence as we as possibly can and to prepare our officers for uh what may you know what may come well, I know yeah, you guys and, and, can't get specifics about the intel, but are they saying uh, if they put the report out because of white supremacists, or they put it out because Republicans and Democrats are going to fight at the polls? I mean, is it a difference? Or yeah, it's a I think I put it out because right. of the intelligence. Yeah, right. it's the intelligence based on the fact of the type of groups, uh, what you know, extreme right groups, terrorist groups. Uh, things like that, you know. Uh, the FBI has also said, LA, that there is a noticeable increase in white supremacist groups uh, that they've noticed over the last uh, few years. The uh, memberships have grown. The intelligence that they receive have uh, become more, uh, you know, it's growing based on the fact that there are there are more of these extreme right and extreme left groups uh, that are forming. And that's the concern that, that we have uh, when it comes to Election Day. Because I think, you know, L.A., let's just face it, and, and Virgil, let's just face it. No matter who wins, uh, we believe there's going to be some civil unrest, no matter who, who yeah. wins. Yeah, we we really believe that based on, based on what, we, what we're hearing and the intelligence that we're receiving. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, L.A., the, the group that uh, he referred to calls themselves the Proud Boys. And, you know, these guys uh, basically, when he made that comment at that last, per, at that last uh, uh, debate, it, it, they basically felt this was a, a, a historic event and it was an endorsement. So he kind of gave them some endorsements to do some things that, that gives them that they can say, well, the president said we can do this. And so that potentially will cause some problems for law enforcement. But but uh, we want to remind our listeners, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we're going to take a short break, but we're going to be right back with you after this break. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Hova said, listening to you and the law. 
on the Bash News Radio uh, network. And don't forget, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with these fine um, swag brothers doing their thing, telling the truth, uh, keeping it real with you out there. A lot of people hitting us up uh, in chat and online. Want to hear what you have to say without further ado. We go back to Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith. Well, hey, hey, we definitely... Hey, birds, can I can I say something? We want to welcome everybody back. Go ahead, on man. That's your that's your part. You go ahead on, and I'll do the I'll do the I'll do the, uh, I'll do the hosting. Oh, okay. Go right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we want to welcome everybody back to you and along the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we definitely uh, thank everybody for tuning in, listening to us this afternoon, and and uh, if you uh, just came on to listening to. You and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're having a topic today that is definitely a hot topic that uh, has got a lot of uh, interest with our listeners uh, because we're talking about the upcoming election and uh, the potential for civil unrest at the polls and what laws prohibit police uh, at the polling places and how law enforcement agencies are preparing for the upcoming election on November the 3rd. Um, because as you know, there's a, there's so many things. And I go back to what I used, uh, earlier, uh, Keith in LA is that the, the seed has been planted. And I think people need to understand when the seed has been planted, there's, there's other things that, that are cultivating that are happening that we just don't know about, but you've got other people who are definitely doing some things to, to, to cultivate those those additional seeds, so that potentially could have an impact on people at the at the polls. But one of the things that I'll go back to is that this is a time that law enforcement does not need to insert themselves in interfering with people at polling places. Well, you know, Virgil, I want to go back and, and talk just real quickly when we're talking about the the uh, the warnings and the information we're getting regarding from the FBI. The FBI director, Christopher Ray. let me quote what he said. He said, white supremacists represent the most persistent and lethal threat when we talk about domestic violent extremists. And then, they, and then there's another thing that I don't think that, that a lot of uh, law enforcement officers or uh, chiefs are aware of. Uh, this is such a serious this topic that the Department of Homeland Security uh, has right now, they've announced $10 million in grants uh, just within the recent weeks, uh, <clears throat> money dedicated to stopping white supremacists and, and far-right violence. That's how serious this is. Uh, yeah. Homeland Security to delegate $10 million grants uh, just the last few weeks within the last 30 days $10 million in the, uh, to assist in the fight against white, uh, far-right white supremacist groups. That says a lot about how serious uh, the actions of these groups are. So you've got the FBI saying <laughs> these are persistent. They, they, they are persistent in their efforts to be violent. Yeah. This is the FBI. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 you and we've got an administration that's downplaying the rise of of, of these far right uh, uh, white supremacist groups, and and this really kind of goes back to the incident that took place. Uh, in, what was it, Charlottesville, Keith? Where you know you had both sides going against each other. You had this administration say, well, there was people, good people on both sides, but there's been a rise in these type of groups that that goes back several years. Uh, and it kind of has, has kind of grown from that incident that took place uh, back then. Well, 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 Virgil, this is the deal. So we were aware of the Ku Klux Klan. We, we knew that. And we knew that they were just, there was, you could, they were easily uh, recognized because of the hoods and the, and the robes. Mm-hmm. What has happened is uh, these modern-day white supremacists have transitioned to normal clothing, you know, white T-shirts, button-down shirts. Now, there might be some, some clothing they wear to stand out, uh, the tattoos, and it might be the malicious stuff. So I'm not saying they all are, but as far as looking for the Klan to look like the Klan of old or these far-right groups to be able to automatically identify them, uh, that's just difficult for the average person. That's, that's that's just different. You know, what does a what does a white supremacist look like? What does an extremist look like? Um, you know, that's the that's the thing. You know, the FBI director talks about we're talking about Russia interfering in the election, but the biggest problem and the interference with the election is right here domestic terrorism related to white supremacist or far right groups. And also, yeah. there's some extreme left groups also. So yeah. extremists are going to be the biggest threat to this to this country uh, within the next 30 days. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. It, that's what we're worried about as police as police chiefs. Yeah. Well, and Keith, you know, and this is going to probably, you know, if we got some some of our law listeners who are law enforcement officers who are, who listen to our to our podcast show, uh, uh, this will probably, some people will probably disagree, but I think this is something that has to be said, and, and I think we keep it real on you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and that is, you know, and this comes, this information comes from the FBI. This isn't, you know, Chief Green's information, or this isn't Chief Humphrey's information. This information comes from the FBI, and the FBI warned of white supremacists in law enforcement 10 years ago. And so the question is, has anything changed in the past 10 years that would discredit this information that came from the FBI, who stated that, and I'm going to use this word, unfortunately, there are police officers uh, who are involved with white supremacists, and now you've got a whole other issue to deal with. And people are going to say, oh, no, you don't. But when that information comes from the FBI, it definitely has some credibility to it, Keith. Well, let me say this, too, and, and I want to I want to I want to make sure we understand that there are uh, individuals far left, far right. Uh, we talk about white supremacy, but there are also uh, 
those individuals who are far left that may not be white supremacists. So we just got to we just got to make sure. And some of the yeah. far left groups are have uh, violent tendencies also. So uh, <clears throat> you know, and 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 I think, but that that doesn't make it right. But I think we you know we know that there are far right extremist groups. We know that. I mean, they they are very uh, visible, uh, not quiet. Uh, but there are those far left groups out there that are just as dangerous. So just want to make sure everybody understands that. Yeah, well, and you know, I'm, I'm going to read this uh, on, uh, to our listeners. Uh, we've got an email from uh, someone that's listening to the show that says, you guys sound like you're liberal Democrats. Shame on you as law enforcement. You should, uh, you, you sound political. What about the left? What about Antifa? You can, so... Again, what did I just say? Uh, what did I just say? <laughs> yeah, what, exactly. <laughs> what, what did I just say? Uh, that, that's 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 exactly what I just said. I think we said that there are far like right groups. We're not we're not being political. Uh, far right groups is known to be extremists. Now we're not talking about a person who's right wing or left wing. We're not getting into politics. But when you start talking about extremists. Extremists are so caught in their ways, they they can become violent. So yes, you have extremist left groups also. Antifa, absolutely. And I think if everybody's listening, we don't talk politics on this on this right on this on this podcast. No, no. We, we talk what's we talk real live facts. And so please so don't guys, try to I, make this a. Go ahead, go ahead, I, LA. <laughs> can I just add one thing in my own humble opinion? And I know we, you know, um, it, well, I'll get into the stuff off air. At you, you guys as police chiefs. And the, the person who uh, shot that email uh, is unknown, uh, which typically means he's a coward, in my opinion. But I, that's my opinion. But um, um, with all due respect, Antifa is an ideology. Um, that group that, that Trump, I won't re, uh uh, rename uh, is a group, and you got skinheads and everything else. Uh, the other thing is Antifa. Statistically, not saying I'm t- talking about your job because you do it greatly, but statistically, uh, don't cause the same kind of hell that these skinheads and some of these other are. So I get the fair and balanced thing. You can get that on Fox. I get that, but at the, at the end of the day, really. I mean, if you're going to compare apples and oranges, it's really not any comparison. I mean, violence is violence. I'm not saying that's not the case, but but you guys are calling it the way it is. I mean, Virgil, you, I mean, they're white supremacists. The president of the so-called United States said, "Hey, stand by." He didn't. We didn't hear anybody but Barack say Antifa stand by. I mean, so it. it yeah. But sometimes these people um, try to to to. to Point things out to you guys to throw you off the game, but at the end of the right. day, we know what what it really is. You know what I mean? So I just wanted yeah. to add that. And I apologize for uh, interrupting. I, I apologize. No, oh, no, but good, LA, you know, you you bring up a good yeah. fact, and and the thing that 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 person needs to understand, you have to look at the FBI, which is the lead law enforcement agent law enforcement agency in the nation, and that's where all the statistics. That's the clearinghouse for all the statistics. 
Me and Chief Green, Chief Chief Green and I didn't make this up. Chief Green and I didn't say. If you notice, the FBI has not has not listed Antifa as a terrorist group. The FBI has listed has listed far right extremists, the Proud Boys, Klan, neo Nazi groups. They have been listed as formalized terrorist groups. If you go and look, Antifa's been listed as a terrorist group based on people's opinions. But formalized terrorist groups, based on their behavior, based on the intelligence that they have, their actions, that's how people are listed. You don't just call somebody a terrorist group, just get up the next morning and say terrorist groups. People have said Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. It is not a terrorist exactly. group. It has not been listed. So let's, mm-hmm. let's get it clear that when we say something, it's not a liberal or a conservative uh, topic. It's the fact that this is what the FBI has said. The, the yeah. FBI director is appointed by the president. The attorney, you know, and, and the FBI director has said that, that this, these are extreme extremists, extremist groups, far-right extremist groups that have hatred, in, in, have hatred toward minorities, have hatred yeah. toward people who think opposite of them and are violent. So don't yeah. say that me and Chief Green are saying, one thing, we're going by the facts of what is formalized. Yeah, and, 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 and on so, top of that, kid. Thank, thank you so much. And thank I, you so much. I gotta get. Thank you so much, uh, Chief Green and Humphrey, for clarifying. Please, thank you so much for that. <laughs> well, and, and I'll say this: one of the things is that you know you have an FBI director who his job is to lead the FBI. He's not a politician, even though he is at odds. The president is at odds with him. He is going to disseminate the information that his that his agency has collected and he's going to put that out to law enforcement agencies for the law enforcement agencies to uh, have that information in hand. And so, I, you know, I, I kind of go back to, I want to say this real quick, that I didn't know that you can sound like a Democrat on a podcast show. Did you know that, Keith? I didn't know no, you could sound like a but, – but now you, sound, you can sound like a Democrat on a podcast show. I just wanted to say that. But, you know, what people need, what I want our listeners to understand is that, especially in the minority community, uh, many people in in these communities, especially communities of color, feel that they have been the subject of police violence for decades. And when an officer engages in conduct that adds or enhances, that divides so there are ultimate, they ultimately jeopardize the integrity of their agencies and putting their fellow officers in danger. So yet we always say there's one bad apple, but it only takes one, and that could, that could damage an entire agency. And we've seen in recent years, even in the state of North Carolina, uh, L.A., uh, back in 2015, uh, an officer was fired from an agency because he – posted a picture of a neo-Nazi salute on Facebook. So, you know, again, well, that's why we we want to share that information. Well, Virgil, before we go, what about the officer in Fort Worth who just got fired for, uh, what was the comment about the guy in the casket? Uh, yeah. Uh, he just made an inappropriate comment about a guy in a, in a casket. 
uh, it was an African American male in a casket, and he made a, a racially insensitive joke yeah, about it. And, and and so so I'm you're absolutely right. We try very hard. Uh, I don't. I think we do a good job by not talking about politics, but we talk about the facts. So I go back to what I'm saying is what I said earlier. This this is amazing that you're talking about facts, and that you're being accused of being a Democrat. Yeah. Or, or liberal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, man, it's, we, it's we don't talk about yeah. nobody. Nobody cares what your political affiliation is. It's just the facts. These groups yeah. are dangerous. These groups yeah. are extremely dangerous. Uh, and they, they are. go to it's, protest the stuff. So, I, I I really don't care what that person says. We're gonna, you know, my responsibility is to provide the listeners with facts. We're not just pulling this out of the air. And it's really quite offensive that somebody comes on and says that we we're talking liberal. You know, we're talking conservative. <laughs> we're talking facts, true life. We're two guys yeah. that 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 are talking facts. That's why we have this show. So, uh, exactly. I'm sorry if you're offended by it, but you know it is what it is, and, and so you know, deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, uh, Keith, we want to remind our listeners: you're listening to you on the Long the Bathroom News Radio Network, and we're coming up on a couple of minutes before we end the show, but. I think this is a topic that has definitely got a lot of attention, and I think, you know, we're going to let our listeners know that we're going to probably care. This is going to continue over into our next week's show because I think there are some other things that I want to share with our listeners about uh, where other states have, other state legislators have filed uh, legislation to ban sheriffs and deputies at polling places. So, we definitely want to take this uh, conversation and topic back up next week uh, with our listeners. But, you know, we definitely, definitely appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to us on the Bachelor News Radio Network because it is, um, it is definitely uh, something that we uh, appreciate our listeners who tune in. Um, but, uh you know, Keith, you got any last words before we sign off? And uh, yeah, just and, and, yeah, just real, real quick, Virgil. I want to thank the listeners and and continue to to listen to us. But but I would ask that person who called in and said that next time, come on, uh, tell the producer that you'd like to speak with us. Let's be a live oh, guest. Yeah. Let's talk about Definitely. this. But don't don't say that and not give your name the and then hang up. Yeah, come on. Let's yeah. say it. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's have the let's, and I'll I'll even give more facts for the next time. So yeah, well, hey, we want to remind everybody you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>